hello, welcome to the Monday Morning Cornerman. I'm your host, Luke Palmer Divers, and this is the podcast where we talk about everything MMA, including fight predictions, results, MMA news, and more. Today is Monday, the 26th of October. Here in South Korea, it is half past nine at night. Again, I'm recording it a bit later than I thought I would be. In an ideal world, I'll be doing it on Sundays pre-recorded. And again, things just got on top of me this time. And we're doing it a bit later than usual. Again, we're testing up some video stuff going on. We changed the setup a bit from last time. But we're just testing everything until we can get everything properly sorted for video. But... Again, I'll keep updates coming. There's nothing officially like coming out on video just yet. And um, we're just testing and testing and testing some more until we can get it absolutely right. Um, Like I said, it's half past nine. It's pitch black outside. It's been a nice day. Bit of a chilly day today. You can really feel the temperatures dropping. Probably said that last time, but it keeps dropping more and more and more. I've noticed that um, I'm going to have to get some window blockers for the flat, actually, because... You can feel the wind coming in a bit more now. And although that was lovely before, when it was really hot, you're like, please God, any wind, that'll be lovely. Even if it's just pushing hot air, that's better than nothing at all. But now now that it's getting colder, you can uh, feel it on the back of the neck. So I've got to get some draft excluders, get that sorted. Um, last week, I wanted to get straight back into training and I've done absolutely nothing. I'm feeling very ashamed bit down on myself, kicking myself a bit. So um, last week we did the podcast on the Monday and then I had a, we were, I went to an open mic thing for music on the Tuesday and then there they asked me to play on the Friday as well. And I hadn't played like that, like a, like a standalone gig by myself on my own for hour, two hours. I hadn't done that for a very long time. And um, as like Friday came and was getting closer and closer. A drummer that I knew, he wanted to join him. And we've never rehearsed before, but he is a really good drummer. Drummer, drummer, drummer. So I was just like, yeah, okay, go on then, hop on. And uh, we'll kind of just jam it out. We did like an hour set, had a break, went on for another hour again, and it went down really well. It was really good. It was really, really good, actually. It was really good fun. And it's always great to just hear, like, just to hear the audience, man. Like, when you do music and stuff, there's a, there's a point where you're singing and everyone just goes really quiet. Like, no talking, then there's a point where everyone just goes quiet and you're like, ah, yeah, I've got them. I've got them right in the pocket. You don't get that all all the way through because it's obviously just a bar, people coming in and out. They want to drink, have a good time, talk to their friends. But sometimes you just get that moment. Everyone goes quiet and you know they're all listening to you. And it's fantastic. There's not, not another feeling like it in the world. And I have to say, it has made me feel a bit more addicted to it. But as a result, going out there like to the bars, there's obviously drinks there. That doesn't do me good for the next day. And... As a result as well, my training suffers. I either don't go or I'm not up to par of what I'm usually like. So I've really got to try and find that balance going forward. And that has been the story of my week last week. But let's have a look at the stories this weekend just gone of these fights. My goodness. 
did we have some fights this weekend for UFC pay-per-view 254 Habib versus Gagey. And let's start with the main event. Habib Nurmagomedov versus Justin Gagey. Habib going into this fight 28-0. And Justin Gagey going into this fight 22 wins, 2 losses. And it was for the lightweight championship of the world. There was a lot of big build-up to this fight. Really big build-up because of the styles. So let's explain. We know Habib fantastic Dagestani wrestling man there's videos out there for him wrestling bears he's been wrestling since a child that his that's his like whole thing that's his style but don't forget that his stand-up has had to improve to be in this game of MMA to fight the people that he's had to fight and still maintain a O record like zero losses is out of this world absolutely out of this world he still goes into this fight with zero losses. Gagey's only got two. That was two. Justin Gagey lost to Dustin Poirier and Eddie Alves, right? Eddie, and they were all out wars. So what you need to know about Justin Gagey, he goes in there willing to die and throws like he means it. He just, and as a result, I mean, previously in those, in those losses that he had, where he was thrown so recklessly, there was some that were landing, some that weren't, and then he was getting hit as a result of it because he was thrown too wild. We've seen over his recent wins that he's not doing that. He's more composed. The fight against Tony Ferguson, that was really composed, picking his shots, landing perfect, using the jab, staying behind the jab, and following it up with the right, but there will be straights. Mixed up with hooks, perhaps, but the straights landing sweet in that fight. Um, so let's look at this fight. Oh, another thing you need to know. I, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure you do know, because I, I mentioned the last po podcast as well. Habib's father passed. So his father passed and um, that was complications due to coronavirus. It's been his mentor throughout his life, not just as a father figure, but as a trainer. He's trained a lot of the Habib's teammates as well. Like, it's a big, big loss. And um, we'll go more into that in just a bit of why that's so important. So let's get into the fight. We start for the first round. Real feeling out process. And straight away, cause I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what. Before this fight even started, I wasn't looking forward to it. Because I thought Habib's just going to run away with this win. And it's just going to be everything that we just saw before. I, I really wasn't that excited because I knew Khabib would win. Like, he, he just, that, that's what he does. But then the fight started in the first round. And you could see Justin Gagey's stance completely change. He had a more wide stance because he needs to judge whether he needs to defend the grappling takedown or not. But also keep it standing. Keep it standing all the way through. This first round... Like I say, feeling out process. Habib, I don't think he really threw anything. He was just, but he was applying pressure. Don't get me wrong. This boy was applying pressure like nothing you've ever seen. Justin Gagey was throwing some low leg kicks. Landing really good as well. Solid leg kicks. And was trying to apply pressure of his own. But he was really focused off on keeping his back away from the cage circling round and trying to get back into the center of that octagon. 
because we know if Habib gets you to the cage, he's going to take you down and he's going to use that cage to keep you down. All his takedowns normally come from the cage. So Gagey's game plan was keep it centered, keep it in the middle of the octagon. And you could see that was his game plan. We know Habib's game plan because he works every time, but no one's been able to thwart it yet. We thought Gagey could, with what he was saying he was going to do, keep it in the middle, cut him down with leg kicks, keep it standing. Gagey's a wrestler as well, Division One All-American wrestler, so he should be okay in the wrestling department. In this first round, like I said before, Habib is keeping this pressure on, like trying to get Gagey's back to the cage. And as a result, Gage is having to circle round, circle round, circle round, bring around to points where it looks like he's he might be running away from Habib. Right? He looks like he's on the run at points. But Justin's landing, man. He Justin's leading the action, but Habib's leading the pressure. And that basically rounds up round number one. Oh, before, oh no, before round number one finishes, there's a point where we think it might all be over. There is a takedown. Justin gets caught by Habib. There's a takedown. Habib kind of rolls. And it looks like, I don't know what anyone else thought, but to me, it looked like he was trying to do that kind of banana split choke where like you kind of have your feet against one guy's foot. And then you're pulling the other leg towards you. So you're like making it very uncomfortable in the groin area and forcing them to tap in that way. I, and that's why it's called banana split. But um, I thought he was going for that. But the bell goes. The buzzer goes. They go back to their corners. Hmm, interesting first round. We get into the second round. There's a takedown. There's a scramble. And during this scramble, how quick and smooth Habib was, was out of this world. And he ends up taking the back of Justin Gagey. It looks like he's going to go for a armbar, changes it to a triangle choke. Justin Gagey's tapping furiously. There's a couple of different ways. I mean, I don't, I I give it to the ref because I thought it was quite hard to see. There's a tap on his on Habib's head, but it kind of looks like Justin's kind of push it away. There's another tap. I don't think the ref really thought it was if it was definitely a tap. And then there was a third. By then it's too late. Gagey's out. He's out cold. Habib gets up, walks over, and gets gets this win in the second round. One minute thirty-four seconds. Of round number two. So this fight only lasted 6 minutes 34 seconds. Which is his quickest title defence. And crowd goes wild. Interestingly there was a bit of a crowd in this one as well. I don't know how many who was let in. But you heard the claps and cheers. When the fighters went in. And when Habib won this fight. He's now 29 and 0. Can you believe it? That is out of this world incredible out of this world um but yeah what did i i wanted to talk about a bit more about the submission i just wanted to say yeah like i said before the way he slid into it and took the back it looks so easy for him and sm and just like water transition to this transition to this 
he, he knew exactly where he wanted to be to get the submission. It looks so fluid, so beautiful. That's why we call it mixed martial arts, because it is an art. It was out of this world the way he just smoothly got this choke and it was no big deal. I know people are going to say, well, that's what Habib does. But every time we see him, it looks better and better and smoother. This fight could easily be his best title of defense he's ever done. Ever, ever, ever done. Because only six minutes, 34. And the first round, he took his time like a true champion to figure out what uh, Gagey was going to give off in terms of clues. Because you can't, you can just go for the takedown, but you want to put your opponent off. If your opponent knows you're going to just take you down the whole time, then what's the point? They, they're they going to be ready. You need to put them off a bit. And that's why that whole first round of pressure by Habib was so important. So the fight's over. Habib collapses to the floor, bursts into tears, and suddenly the whole world realises and gets a glimpse of just what Habib was going through in the build-up to this fight and just how much was weighing on his shoulders. Man, I wanted to be crying too. Like, you really felt for this man who had only lost his father about something crazy like three, four months ago, something like that, goes into this fight not having his main main training partner and father. To lose a father for anyone is is unspeakable. You know, no one knows what they're gonna be like in those situations. And then no knowing that you have to you're going into a fight, not just the weight of losing your dad not just the weight of being a champion being an undefeated champion representing your country representing the the whole of that side of the world because everyone loves him like you you just you got a glimpse into how much how heavy his heart is how heavy his shoulders were going into this and and you knew that not just by the tears but in the post-fight press conference, not press conference, sorry, post-fight interview straight after, Habib gets it together as but his teammates come around and um, support him and he gets it together enough to have an interview with uh, John Anik and he's, he's breathing really heavy. It's not because of the energy exerted in this fight, it's because of the the weight of the shoulders being lifted, the exhaustion being released, the internal exhaustion that we don't see that people carry around every day for whatever reason. In this situation, it was an, a, a crazy amount to be holding inside. And so we get this interview. We get this interview with John Anik. And um, just before he says to Habib says to his teammates, get the gloves off, get the gloves off. And they're like, mm, I don't see why that's so important. Until you realise, he says, this is my last fight. I'm retiring after this fight. He said he promised his mum that after this fight, he wouldn't fight anymore. He is keeping his word by the looks of everything. And he, 
he lays those gloves in the middle of the octagon, signifying this is real, man. He's gone up to 29-0. and 0, And now he's done, retired, finished. I think he's... um. Personally, I think he's going to be moving on to more. He, he was talking about his father's vision, which was, I, I think it was something along the lines of free gyms for, for kids around the world in different different disadvantageous areas. I'll say that word right. Um, but I, I think he's going to be he's going to be a coach more than anything. I think with his father being gone, he's going to have to step into that role for everyone else. And to do that and be a fighter is far too much to ask for. Far cra crazy, crazy. I, I couldn't see anyone doing that. So I think that's what he's going to do. And I completely believe in that he's retired. Justin Gagey has some great words after. Man, think of Justin Gage. Let's think about Justin Gagey for a minute. He just got choked out in the beginning of the second round. His fight only lasted six minutes. This guy was so upbeat at the end of, his, of this fight, losing his first chance at getting UFC gold, right? And he's as cheerful as anything. He was like, man, it sucks to lose the fight. Habib is the greatest of all time. We're sad to kind of see him go and retire, but it was such an honour to share the octagon with such a great fighter. These aren't his exact words. I'm just saying this is along the lines of what he was saying. And he said at one point, he was like, man, it's always good to get choked out rather than beaten up, you know? At least I get to go home unscarred and get to see the family and I'd like to be in the octagon again as soon as I possibly can, whoever the UFC's got lined up for me. So that was really good. I mean, he was just so upbeat and so positive. How did he, how'd he do that after such a quick... Devastating loss. Hey, Justin Gagey's an incredible dude as well, man. Like, just... Just so... Cheerful, happy. Down, down to earth, is I think, is the best way to describe him. Let's... Is there anything else to add to the Habib story here? I mean, other than this is crazy. Like, no one wants to see this man retire. We all thought he would get to 30, you know, but he's calling it a night at 29 and 0. And you can't take anything away from this man. You you can't be like, oh, if you just did one more. It doesn't matter. 29 and 0, the greatest lightweight in the UFC ever in mix and martial arts. I, he is the greatest of all time in my book. We will talk more about greatest of all time stuff later on in this podcast but this was an incredible fight and totally worth every cent totally worth every cent right let's go to the co-main event this is robert whittaker versus jared cannonier and this fight man i said cannonier was gonna get this done i think i if i remember correctly i think i put second round knockout these guys, middleweights, I was I was really quite certain that they'd have the power behind both of them to, to finish this fight. But it doesn't. It goes all three rounds. Whitaker's coming off his win against Darren Till. Jared Cannonier is coming off a win against... Oh, come on. Against... 
Oh yeah, Jack Hermanson. So this uh, this fight is for the number one contenders. That's what we're thinking going in. Whoever's winning this is getting a shot. So it goes all three rounds, and it goes to the judges' scorecard. Unanimous decision, Robert Whittaker. So let's break down this fight a bit. I mean, from the get-go, Jared Cannonier is throwing these huge, crazy leg kicks. I mean, they you can hear just how hard they are. They retired um, Anderson Silva, or TKO'd him, I should say. TKO'd Anderson Silva in their fight. And they are hard kicks, man. Hard kicks. Somehow Whitaker just muddled through that. Oh, I say muddled through. That's what I would do. But he just got through it. He, I don't know how. He changed stance quite a, uh, from now and again, but not enough to stop him doing what he needed to to get this win. And Whitaker just chose his shots a lot more accurately. I mean, this fight was... Had some grappling, had some stand. It was mainly grappling and stand up. I don't think there was much submission stuff. I think there was near the end of the fight some ground and pound mount bit. Yeah, near that in this third third round, I think the third round is of like crazy stuff, crazy stuff. He, I don't think it was quite a knockdown, but he did get like a huge punch which uh, span Cannonier completely out, ends up going down to the cage and onto the floor. Cannonier gets into a really bad position. Whitaker's just all over it, like controlling the hands. As, as Cannonier's trying to control the hands, Whitaker's trying to throw punches from uh, top position. Sorry, not top position. From side to control and then eventually getting a top mount as well, which is scary, man. Throwing that like heavy power. Middleweight power is nothing to stick your nose up at, at all and um getting these big punches in again Cannonier at the beginning had some moments like some really big moments but all the way through the fight Whitaker just had the upper hand and it was in I think here's what I think happened here's like genuinely what I think happened Whitaker is a champion he'll always be a champion and it looks like he might get another shot at getting that belt again Cannonier hasn't been champion. And one thing that champions do well is adjust their game plan in the moment. I think Cannonier had a game plan going in during this fight. Wear down the legs, throw some big stand-up when Whitaker's wobbled from the legs, bring it to the ground, then ground and pound him. But it wasn't working, and Cannonier didn't adjust in this fight. I think that's where he went wrong. Whitaker is adjusting as it happens. He's fighting his fight at the beginning. He's adjusting to what Cannon is throwing at him, um, throwing good feints to to get better reads of what Cannon is doing, and then doing what he does best and throwing some huge punches that rock Cannonier getting into the ground and doing the ground and pound. I mean, there were points in this fight where you thought how is Cannoneer carrying on? Because these punches are so heavy. He's taken so many from... And he's uh, on his back. Oh my God, this might get stopped. Somehow he gets back to his feet. I mean... And there's... I'll I tell you, there's a point... There's a lot of techniques of getting up in, from wrestling and from your, from your back. Or being in a bad position. There's a lot of ways to get up 
that they teach you, right? Sometimes you just need to get up. Derek Lewis does it well. And Cannoneer did this in this fight. Just get up. Whatever it takes, get up. Don't look for the perfect way to get up, but sometimes just force yourself to get up. Like, even as you're being wrestled, move your head, move your legs, whatever you need to do, get get up. And he did that. It was incredible. I really did think Cannoneer was going to do it, but on the day, this was Whitaker's day. Leading into this fight, He's look, he looks so comfortable, jovial, just, you could really tell that when he, when Whitaker had the belt before and he said he was drained and doing too much and things like that, that it was, it was, what's the word, what's the word I'm looking for? Like taking away more than it was giving him. He'd, he'd fallen out of love with the sport and he, he found it again. Now, it, we all thought that he found it in the, um, before the Israel fight. He lost that fight. But since then, he's fought two more times. So he's fought three, three times this year. Is that right? Someone correct me if I'm wrong. It's the most action we've seen from Whitaker for about two, three years. So he probably has found that love of the sport again, you know? He probably really has found that love. So it is great to see. I want to see who he fight next because it was supposed to be a number one contenders fight. I don't see who he fights next except for Israel, but they've already fought recently. However, Paolo Costa has recently lost to Israel Adesanya and Paolo Costa has called out Whitaker on Twitter. That would be a great fight. That would be a really good fight and interesting to see because if Paolo Costa did get that win over him, it would shoot Costa back and, well, it would solidify him in that top five easily. Right, let's go on to the fight before that one. So we had, this was a heavyweight fight. Alexander Volkov versus Walt Harris. Alexander Volkov walked into this fight at 31 and 8. And Walt Harris walked in at 13 and 8. So, I mean, Volkov has the experience. Walt Harris, we want to win. We want Walt Harris to win. In fairness, I didn't think he'd win. But I really wanted him to win. He was coming off this big loss against Alistair Overeem, in which there was he was second round ground and pounded. And now he has to fight um, Alexander Volkov. So he's coming off this big loss. But man, let me just tell you this personal stuff, which you may or may not know. In October 2019, Walt Harris's stepdaughter, uh, Anaya... Blanchard was reported missing and because of this there was um a lot of stuff on the UFC like a lot of help stuff please find her there's rewards and stuff and then they found her uh they found her remains and someone's been charged with capital murder charges according to Wikipedia and 
That was all in 2000. That was a year ago, and you don't get over shit like that. Oh, I swore. I swore. Maybe I can beep it out. I'll try and beep it out. But you don't get over stuff like that, man. You don't get over stuff. And, I mean, you really feel for Walt Harris. So, although that was a year ago, and then he's had this loss to Alistair uh, over him, he goes into this fight. He's got the knockout power and potential. As we start this fight, you can tell Walt Harris is a lot slower. And Volkov uh, picking his punch as well, keeping... Uh, using his range and things like this. Um, it ends in the second round in 1 minute 15 seconds of that second round due to a kick to the solar plexus. Now, I don't know if you've ever felt a kick to the solar plexus or even a punch to the solar plexus. I think one time I had a football struck at the solar plexus and that just takes the life out of you. A kick from close range will definitely do the job. You heard an audible come from Walt Harris and you're like, ah, oh, that's not good. And uh, it's follow up with some punches, but Walt Harris kind of just collapsed to the floor. Referee stops it. It was, I mean, it was a great kick. There's no get, this was a great, great win for Volkov. Hopefully it's shooting up the rankings a little bit or into the rankings. I don't think it was rank going as this. Um, but um, I didn't want to see that happen to Walt Harris. Didn't want to see it. Great kick, great win. It was an awesome, awesome fight. Awesome way to 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 finish your opponent. Right, let's go into this fight before this one, man. Yo, 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 yo. Right, okay. Phil Hawks versus Jacob Malkun. Malkun? Malkun. Right, Jacob Malkun is... Uh, 4-0 going into this fight. Uh, Phil Hawks is... No, Phil Hawes, I should say, is 8-2 going into the fight. Um, Jacob is uh, Australian. Phil's American. I think... Oh, yeah. Jacob Malknan is a training partner of Robert Whittaker. Okay? Like I say, 4-0 going into this fight. Prospect, prospect. Phil Hawks, um, not Hawks, Hawes. I'm going to get his name wrong constantly. Um, he come up for a contender series, I believe. I believe, yep. Yo, this fight, this fight, this one's so excited for this fight. KO and punches, 18 seconds, man. God, the, he hit like a freight train. This fight was at middleweight as well, right? This is a middleweight. And this is why I say, man, these middleweights are Gary as hell. Because they got that power. They just got it. And uh, that was like a jump out of your bed. And like, like I should mention, yeah. These fights were on really early. So I was laying in bed watching them. And I did jump out of my bed. And I was screaming. I was quiet screaming like this. <sighs> like that. Trying not to wake the neighbours up. Incredible, man. Please, for the love of goodness, keep Phil Hawes on your radar incredible okay next we got um laura murphy she was fighting a newcomer she was supposed to fight uh claudia i'm trying to find the name I'm trying to find the name she was supposed to fight sorry cynthia how do you say her surname cavillo cynthia cavillo 
Cynthia Cavillo was like big prospect coming up a few months back, but she she had an undefeated record for for a time, but then she got some knockbacks in the UFC trying to build back up again. But this fight didn't get to happen. So um, Laura Murphy fights this newcomer, Lilia Sharikova. Okay, I said. Laura Murphy is going to win this by decision. Laura Murphy is on a huge winning streak right now. That's her fourth win. Yeah, so she she wins this fight in the second round. Three minutes, 31 seconds, second round, rear naked choke. I don't... I'm going to double check. I'm looking now. Think that she's had... No, that's her first submission win. First submission win. And that's why I never thought in a million years she'd win by submission. My mate predicted the submission win and got a load of points on the verdict app. I was fuming and jealous, but I still said that she, that Laura Murphy was going to win. And I think she's got to go after that belt, surely. Surely she deserves a shot at the belt. And she's fought load of ranked opponents. We'll see what happens with that one. We'll just keep an eye out. We'll see what's happening. She's just had a very successful year. Three fights this year, three wins against top contenders. Top, top contenders. And yeah, you know, this girl she was fighting, it was her first time in the UFC. Could, could, you, could you say that you saw that in the fight? Maybe. Laura Murphy looked like she always had the upper hand in that fight. But she was standing her own. I think she got a tough draw against Laura Murphy, who's just, like I said, she's in her prime. She is, she, I don't know. Yeah, she's in a prime, like prime fighting mode or whatever you want to call it. Um, She got, she, yeah, she got dealt a tough one. She got dealt a tough one, but... It's all about Laura Murphy. Just keep your eye out. Oh, and the last fight of this um of this card, or I should say the first fight of this card, but we're working backwards, was <laughs> Magomed and how do you say it? I, I mastered it. I did master it. And Kalayev. Magomed and Kalayev versus Ion Kutaliba. I hope I've said that right. Right. This is the fight that I was talking about that should have happened ages ago, where Ian Kutaliba um did this kind of fake rocking thing. So and he, he got hit in the first time they fought. He was doing this fake kind of chicken dance. Ref calls it off, and Ion goes, What are you doing? What are you doing? No, no, no. And it turns out, well, he said he's faking rocking, and it did look like that. Because he was completely okay as soon as the fight was called off. But you're, like I said before, you're playing with fire when you do that. In that first time that they did fight, it was called off by the ref. And the win was given to Ankoliyev unless it was ruled something different later. I don't know. But they go straight into a rematch. Bear in mind, Ankoliyev looked like he was getting the upper hand in the first time they fought. I was going Uncle Iyer first round knockout, 100%. That's exactly what he did. Four minutes, 19 seconds into that first round. It was incredible. And Iron was, Iron Kutaliba uh, was lot a man. He was out. He And it got followed up by a hard punch as well. You know, there's always that one that's a bit unnecessary, but the ref doesn't quite get there in time. It was a hard, hard punch. And, uh, 
he gets the win, man. It was really, really, really good. Right, uh, in the prelims, tied to Avassa for uh, Stefan Struve. Yo, great fight. Tied to Avassa's coming off a loss. He actually asked uh, Daniel Cormier for a bit of wrestling advice going into the fight. Then COVID happened. He had to fly back to Australia. He gets this fight with uh, Stefan Struve, the skyscraper. Stefan Struve is six foot eleven. I was joking in the last podcast trying to guess his his height, and I said something like, I don't know, six, six five or seven foot, something like that. Joking. Yeah, he's six eleven. He's almost seven foot. That is crazy. Tied to Vassar's only six two, six three, I think maybe, and a big guy and. Yo, it was a great example. For someone like me that's on the bigger, shorter side, it's an inspiration to see a bigger, shorter guy go against up a tall, lanky guy. And the way he did it was incredible. Like, uh, cutting the distance, cutting the distance really good, but also working the wrestling and grappling up against the cage to his advantage. He did a really good thing where he was holding his uh, forearm up against the throat of Stefan Struve up against his own uh, head, tied to Vassar's own head, and holding that there, throwing punches in between, and then near the um, end of the first round, it actually comes to a close, 4 minutes 59 seconds is the official um, numbers there. So the last second of the first round, he does it, and he, he throws this flurry of punches, absolute flurry, so they're, they're resting at first, he, he moves away, gets a bit of distance, Tied to a vassal throws a flurry of punches. One of them was this huge uppercut, drops Stefan Struve to the ground. And when a man that tall drops to the ground, you better call that fight off. You better call that fight off because he fell like a clap of thunder and and tied to a vassal gets to win. Absolutely incredible. Is there any other fights I want to mention? Because it's getting on a bit now. We're about 40 minutes in. So I will just briefly say there was uh, Nathaniel Wood, English boy, versus Casey Kennedy. This is in the... Oh, is that a catchweight? I thought it was a bantamweight. It was at a catchweight of £140. And uh, Luke Nathaniel, ex-Cage Warriors champion, goes up against Casey Kenny. Nathaniel Wood was 17-4 and four going into the fight. Casey Kenny was 15 and 2 going into the fight. And uh, Casey gets the win by unanimous decision, which sucked. Obviously, I wanted the English boy to win. Nathaniel Wood is a great guy. Young guy, man. Young guy. I'm just going to find out how, how old he actually is because he looks young. But yeah, born in 93. Younger than me, man. So, young guy still got a lot of time to develop. And I just want to keep seeing him fighting. Just get another fight quick. Just get another fight quick. Um, before that, we had uh, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, legend, UFC legend, Brazil legend, going against UFC. It's a UFC debut for Shavkat Rachmanov. I said that right. Yes, I said it right. Shavkat Rachmanov. Damn it! <laughs> Shavkat Rachmanov. And he's from Kazakhstan. And he goes into this fight 12-0. So, 
you just don't know with these guys and their debuts in the UFC. If they've got an undefeated record, you don't know what their caliber's going like going into these fights. And boy, did this man show out. He got a guillotine choke in the first round, four minutes, 40 seconds. Not only that, there was some wrestling stuff just in the build-up. He um, gave guard. Oh, what's the word? Gave guard, took away guard. Anyway, a uh, pulled guard. He pulled guard. That's the word I was looking for. He pulled guard to get this guillotine choke. And he gets this guillotine choke. And I think the reason he pulled guard was because he knew it was in deep. Before, before he released his legs and threw him up, he knew he had, like, it locked in. And it was all over. Um, Oliveira shouldn't have really put himself in that position. But interesting. So... Uh, Rachmanov goes up to 13 and 0. Keep your eye out for him. He's going to build a following, I promise. The last fight of the prelims, or the first fight, however you want to look at it, like I say, we're going backwards, was Korean boy Da Jong versus Sam Alvey. I said in the last podcast, Da Jong is going to absolutely walk through Sam Alvey. I was completely wrong. And I was gutted. I was gutted that I was completely wrong. This fight ended in a draw. Split decision draw. Or unanimous draw. Sorry, I should say. Unanimous draw. Which I didn't mind at all because it the whole fight looked exactly that. Uh Dan Jung had some moments. Sam Alvey had some moments. Like, there was points where you just saw Sam Alvey's experience in, in mixed martial arts in the UFC prevail in what he was doing but he got clipped too much by Dan Jong and the way that Dan Jong was getting clipped in the fight showed his inexperience if that makes any sense if what I've said doesn't make any sense but yeah it's interesting to see I like Sam Alvey I sat smiling Sam Alvey I think he's great I always look forward to seeing his fights but Dan Jong I want him to fight quick again just want to see him again quick 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 um, I won't go into the early prelims, but I saw because I didn't I didn't watch them, but I saw there was a point Miranda Maverick won against Liana Jajua because of a doctor's stoppage cut in after the first round finish, completely split open her nose, man, completely split open, crazy, and I'll mention it just because it's here, uh, Joel Alvarez versus Alexander. Uh, Yakovev, um, Joel Alvarez won by submission via armbar in round number one, three minutes exactly. Right, so that sums up the whole card. I mean, I, I kind of went on a bit with that card because there was so much to talk about. So let's just move on to current events. Right, I mentioned before, Habib retires. Extremely sad to hear. Oh, and... Before I forget, because I didn't write it down, we found out in the post-fight press conference from Dana White that Habib had actually broken his foot, broke bones in his foot, three weeks prior to this fight. So not only anything, everything I mentioned about his dad and all the pressure leading up to his fight, he also broke his foot. Bro, his goddamn foot. Are you joking, man? And pull off a win like that? Are you joking? Please don't retire. Please. The whole world is begging... Well... It, they're not begging you to retire because they know how much it means and how you're the world's greatest. They, I don't think anyone's going to come up and go, please come back. But in the 
our collective heads as MMA fans, we are thinking, for the love of God, please don't retire. But we also respect your wishes. Uh, the UFC creates a send-off video for Habib as well, um, which kind of layers his, like some sad music, his previous wins, and uh, Habib's post-fight press conference speech as well. It's a great little piece by UFC just to say farewell and good luck with his retirement. <sighs> and... Piggybacking off this news, you'll never guess who it is, it's John Jones. Of course it is. I've actually, I can't say what I've written down here because he makes me angry so much. But I'm just going to come over and I'm going to read you these tweets and we'll just uh, look at how obnoxious they are because he drives me mad. Right, so uh, the after his fight, Habib's fight, he goes into this speech or, or interview. He says he's retired, but he says... You must put me on the pound for pound number one list now. Okay? I've done so much. You must put me on that list now. Come on. And everyone's like, yeah, you're right. That would be the least we can do for you. In our heads, surely, collectively. Tell me if I'm wrong, but collectively, that's what we all thought. Johnny Bones Jones puts, not salty at all. I really do respect Habib. I honour the type of man he is. But being the best is earned, not given. Unfortunately, four title fights ain't it, no matter how much we like him. And then he puts, definitely a powerful moment, but my logic is definitely not clouded. 15 world titles, numbers don't lie. I mean, I'm really trying not to swear on this podcast. I don't, I don't want to like put explicitives on here, but are you having a laugh? Is he having a laugh? Like, let the man just have his moments. I hate that we're talking about him. I hate that we're talking about him. But he's caught our attention by putting these stupid tweets. Stupid. And then he puts, like, until I take that heavy, heavily crown. Heavily crown. Is that what he's put? Until I take that heavily crown. Maybe means... Heavy crown or heavenly crown, I'm not sure. Until I take that heavenly crown, I grant you the spot. Enjoy, champ. Who do you think you are, John? Who do you think you are? Are you serious, mate? Are you serious? I grant you it. Get off your high horse. I can't be the only one that just despises the man. Just despises his man. And then he puts, I want to congratulate Habib on an outstanding career. I know he made his father, along with millions of fans around the world, incredibly proud today. May God continue to bless him on his journey. And I think that is just to make up for the previous tweet or tweets. It's just to make up for it. We get the real John Bones Jones and then we, oh, we get, yeah, we get the real one, then the fake one just to cover it up. Oh, man. I hate, I hate it. I, I I want. I would love to see him fight Francis Ngannou and completely get laid out on that canvas, stone cold. And I hope he eats a couple of more punches after. That'll make my day. Yeah, yeah. Okay, ran over, <laughs> ran over. What else have I got here? Yo, okay. Tora MMA ten. I've never heard of the fight promotion, but I just saw something on Bloody Elbow today. A guy called Johnny Campbell nearly has his ear ripped off by Aray Farais. Yeah, Farais. Farais wins the interim bantamweight belt by TKO victory. Not that that matters. But I've seen 
Yeah, I've seen these images, man, and I've seen the video. Am I going to play again? I'll try and play it again without the audio and just, just have a look. You can see, like, the, the referee waves it off and you can just see a bit of blood. And then there's just this glimpse. And, yo, you, I'm going to put it on Instagram. They're going to... They might flag me, but hopefully they'll just put that thing over the top that just says, uh, viewer discretion is advised. His ear is literally hanging off. And it's he's got a bit of cauliflower ear, but it's from like the bottom lobe going up. So you can see you can see a hole where his ear is supposed to be, and the other half where the cauliflower ear bit is just hanging on there for dear life. It is crazy. Crazy. So I think this podcast that's it for uh current events. Oh, I was going to talk about some UFC cuts, but I don't know. I think it's it's too sad to talk about. It's too sad. I, I don't want to talk about it. It's too sad. So, I mean, some of the cuts were just because they want to go off to Bellator and they found better deals. Some of them want to be free agents. That's fine. But there was one I was going to talk about, um, which is Daquan Townsend. And because he's had four losses now and he's been cut. But he... um. Listen, like, I just I give a brief sum. Right, two thousand fourteen. He's got four sons. One of them dies of cancer. In August two thousand and twenty, he's two of his brothers were shot dead in a strip mall in Michigan. Okay, that's in August. In October, he gets cut from the UFC. Give the man a break. That's all I was gonna say. That's that's I don't, I did like I said I don't want to go into it because it's just so sad, man. I just I hope he gets fighting again quick in another um. In another promotion, but... Oh, jeez. Yeah, anyway, right. Uh, should we look forward to some fights? Let's look ahead to these fights. I mean, we've got one championship inside the Matrix on October 30th. Let's have a look at this card. We've got the man of this fight promotion, Angla Sang, from Myanmar. He's defending his light heavyweight championship against undefeated Rainier de Ryder or Ridder, sorry, de Ridder. He's 12 and 0, de Ridder is, uh, going into this fight against Lasang, who's 26 and 10, but is just a beast. He's a beast, mate. So I'm definitely going to be watching that. Hopefully throw some highlights on the Instagram and underneath that fight, we've got Christian Lee defending his welterweight championship against Luri Lap Lapicus. Lapicus. And Lapicus is 14 and 0 going into this fight. Going against Christian Lee, who's 13 and 3. So that'll be an interesting fight. That's for the welterweight championship. The other fights on here, I'm not too privy to the to the other fighters. There's four title fights on here, man. Yo. So we've got light heavyweight, like I said. Welterweight, like I said. They've got the lightweight championship going up. That's, I, I can't say the names, man. I'm not going to bother. And then we've got the one championship flyweight girls belt going up for grabs as well. Four title fights. Yeah, I'm going to watch that. Please check it out because it's on YouTube. Normally all their live stuff is on YouTube. So go check it out. Um, it's in Singapore, so it'll be a funny time time frame. It says Eastern Time, 3.30am here. 
you know, it'll be a bit different for me in South Korea, but I'm definitely going to be watching it. Right, also next week we've got Bellator 250, uh, Musashi versus Lima. Let me get some details. Yeah, Gega Musashi versus Douglas Lima. Yo, vacant middleweight title championship. This is gonna be sick. Yeah, I can't wait for that fight. Like, like I said before in these previous um, podcasts, I don't tend to watch Bellator that much because, right here, this fight's in Connecticut in the United States. We've got this crazy, crazy middleweight championship fight that's going to be off the charts. The other guys call me ignorant, and I sure I'm sure I am, but I know none of the other guys on the card except for one, which is Jake Hager, and he's only two and zero. But I know him because he used to be a famous WWE wrestler called Jack Swagger, right? And he moved over to MMA. That I think should be further up the card. It's in the prelims. He goes up against a guy Brandon Calton, also two and zero. So, I mean. I'll, I'll watch that. Hopefully there'll be something. I'm going to watch the main event for that fight only. And if there's other stuff that pops up on the Instagram or something like that, that catches my eye that I have to go see, then I'll go back and watch that. And then next week is, oh, sorry, I should mention, Better Tour 250, that's on the 29th of October. Yeah, that's a Thursday, man. I hate that they put them on these Thursdays. I mean, I'm working. And it's in the middle of my day normally by the time it gets to the main event. So I'll just be watching highlights, won't I? Anyway, stop moaning, Luke. <laughs> anyway, we've also got November 1st. We've got UFC Uriah Hall versus Anderson, the Spider Silver. This is going to be Anderson Silver's retirement fight, by the way. So you have to watch it. You have to watch it. Uriah Hall is coming off a win as well, I believe. So let me just double check that. I'm pretty sure he was coming off, off a fairly big win. Yeah. Antonio Carlos Jr. Yeah. That was last year. I'm missing something, man. I'm missing something. Anyway, right, let's go back to this card. So, yeah, that's going to be a cool fight. We know Uriah Hall. He's got 15-9 record. It's a perfect kind of retirement fight for Anderson Silva. We know what Anderson Silva can do. He gave Israel Adesanya a run for his money, who's now the current middleweight champion. And, yeah, it's going to be a good fight. The co-main event for this, you need to pay attention to Bryce Mitchell versus Andre Philly. Bryce Mitchell is 13-0. And this fight is at featherweight, okay? Bryce has got big attention in the UFC for doing a twister. Has he done two? I'm going to double check if he's done two. But he got huge, like, huge, incredible props for doing this twister. No, um, I think he must have attempted one against Charles Rosa in his last fight. But he did get that twister back in December last year. And now he fights uh, Andre Philly. And Andre is... Um, 21 and 7 record. That's right. And he's coming off a split decision win in June this year. That's going to that's be a good one. Again, it's like one of those ones that's it's, it's a co main event because of Bryce, no doubt. He's one to watch. And I think that it, I think he's one that UFC want to win. Want to win. 
Uh, under that, we've got Makman Muradov versus Kevin Holland. I don't know Muradov, but I know Kevin Holland's coming off that um, win. Who did he fight? Townsend? No. Let me check. Let me check. I've got a feeling he did, you know. No. No. He fought um, Darren, St oh, Darren Stewart. Yeah, English boy. He fought Darren Stewart in a split decision win. And um, when that fight finished, he was really angry with himself that it was like split decision. Um, he said that um, Darren Stewart was like running away but from Kevin Holland, but he wasn't. He was just fighting. And he's also won against uh, um, Buckley. And Buckley is that guy that we've mentioned before who did that crazy spinning back kick. Remember? It was it's on the Instagram. Go back on my Instagram if you if you can't remember that crazy spinning back kick. They're like perfect taekwondo technique. Kevin Holland's got a win over him, so you got to try and watch this fight. Greg Hardy's facing Maurice Green. That's gonna be a good heavyweight fight. These guys, both these guys are. How could I how could I word this correctly? Both of these guys are big names in the heavyweight division. Because the heavyweight division is thin in the UFC. It's normally a thin division, but it is a thin division. I don't care what anyone says. And these guys have the ability to go up and be big names. Like, both of them, fairly big names in the heavyweight division. But they've got the ability to be, like, big stars there if they just keep working and keep pulling off big wins. But their skills aren't there yet. So... That we're only gonna try, we're only gonna see them improve, or just not make it up to those heights of top ten contendership. You know, we'll see. Any other fights on there? No. Um, but I'm sure there will be some great fights. Um, but that is gonna be a great card. Right, that about wraps up everything from me. It has been great. I think this has been our longest podcast so far, guys. I apologize if I stumbled over any words. Like I say, it's late. It's past my bedtime. But if you want to follow us on the social media, you can. We're on Twitter. We're at Monday Cornerman. On Instagram, we're Instagram.com slash The Monday Morning Cornerman. Just type in The Monday Morning Cornerman and you will find us. You can find the podcast on Google Podcasts now. We're on there. So if you've got an Android phone, you can listen to us now. We're on Apple Podcasts as well. We are on Spotify. We're on SoundCloud and others. Hopefully, we'll get these YouTube videos sorted so you can have us on there. Until next time, see you again soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs>